Now, we at Bethlehem exist to touch all people with God's message. Now, that begs a question, what is that message? Well, what if he told you that message in person? God in the first person. And that's what we're celebrating in this month of Advent and the celebration of Christ's birth. God in the first person, incarnate on this earth in human flesh, as it were, standing right in front of you. What would he say to you? Well, the first thing he would say is, I love you. His first message is a message of love. We know that because we saw it in the garden. As soon as Adam and Eve rebelled, he stepped into that garden and asked, where are you? Not why did you do that? What's the matter with you? How come you didn't obey? Where are you? I want to be with you. The fact is, I love you. I love you when you hide. I love you when you run. I love you when you quit. And when we know and hear and believe that message at the depth of our soul and accept it, it causes us to worship. Just like the Magi did in the Christmas story. In this way, we worship fully. But that's not all he would say. That's just the beginning. Last week, we looked at the second thing that he would say. What then would he say to you? Well, I have taken the first step to make things right. This is a message of solution. Now, this is amazing for a couple of reasons. That he would even do it, because if he didn't, there wouldn't be any solution. He had to. We couldn't. This was by his initiation, without any request from us, without any understanding of us, without any interest on our part. We didn't even know what we didn't know. The one disciple that knew more about love than any of the other disciples, the love of Christ, says this, this is what love is. Not that we love God, but God loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Or Paul says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His choice to take that first step towards us is so extravagant because of His willingness when we were so unaware. We were so clueless. And He took that step towards us. Any one of us who has a a problem, a break in a relationship, something that's not right between somebody else, the first thing we do is recoil. The first thing God does is move forward, toward. He took the first step. That he would even do it is amazing. How he does it is even more amazing. Because it isn't what we would expect. A personal visit. He came. He comes as a child. A humble birth in an obscure place. Shepherds and, and a stable and a manger. No room for the one who created all of space. Think of that. That's amazing. And later he says of himself, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The way that he does this must be robed in tremendous significance. If it's not, then he's, it's just pure folly. He's incapable of doing it better than this. Instead, it is profoundly important how he took this first step towards us. It's both an example and the message that he means to leave us to follow. When we understand his love, we worship him. When we understand his taking the first step towards us, into our shoes, into our poverty, into our presence. Emmanuel, God with us. 
then we understand that the greatest value is presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Therefore, we should spend less. Because that's exactly what God did in Christ Jesus. He didn't give any less. He just spent less. He came Himself personally. He made His expression of love more personal than purchasable. And that's exactly what we should do. Make it more about ourselves than our wealth. And in our spending... What could we do? Well, we could redirect some of that and we could help these elementary children in Rwanda recovering from this genocidal extermination. We could help them build a decent facility, get a chance to learn like our own children, grow in godly wisdom in a curriculum grounded in Scripture that's teaching a whole new worldview. And it isn't, as you saw in what was some of what was written on there, not just impacting those children in that school, but headmasters that are coming in from all over to learn this new form of education that is teaching them about God's love and provision, His salvation, and His restoration. If we cut back based on God's prompting in our hearts, not anything I can tell you to do, what He would tell you to do, then we might be able to make an impact in that country if we spent less. So, The box is available. It's right there. Uh, You can come and put your gift in there uh, today or these weeks all the way through Christmas Eve um, or on a check, uh, Rwanda, Advent Conspiracy, the school, doesn't matter. Just on the memo line, just indicate that. Now, we're halfway done with God's message. That's two of the four things that I believe that he would say to us if he stood right in front of us. First of all, I love you. And secondly, I have taken the first step to make things right. What is the third thing that he would say to us? I want you to help me change the world. The first was a message of love. The second was a message of solution. The third one is a message of purpose. I want you to help me change the world. Now, try and think about this. God Almighty, creator of the heaven and of the heavens and the earth, wants you to participate with him wants you to be a part of what He's doing, wants you to join hands with Him in accomplishing His will. Now, last week I told you that this love story is so compelling because it was all on His initiation. We didn't ask for it. We didn't even know. We didn't even know what we didn't know, right? Remember? He doesn't need us. But He wants to use us. He wants us to be a part of what He is doing. Now, that is truly amazing. That's called purpose for living. It's the opportunity to be a part of something intrinsically divine, implicitly significant, intensely important. That is pure privilege, the very definition of purpose. What do you do? Well, I, uh, <laughs> I work with God. It's kind of a family business. Uh, we're in uh, personnel management uh. More specifically, I work with his son. As a matter of fact, I just recently became a co-heir with his. <laughs> it's incredible. I've got, like, stock options, the whole deal. It's crazy. And you think I'm kidding. That's actually true. Look at how purpose shows up 
in the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. You're familiar with the story. Uh, I hope I can assume that. Here we have the choosing of Mary and Joseph to parent the Son of the living God. I know, I'm giving a little emphasis to that. But I mean, come on, think about that. Can you wrap your head around it? And look at what it means. This week, someone in this church uh, gave birth to a baby, uh, Kelly, um, uh, Kelly McBride. And so I went to see uh, the baby uh, over at the hospital. Wow. You've been to these birthing suites that they've got now? They're so cool. They're really big, you know, they got lots of space, and the dad's got a place to sleep, and you can have the baby in. If it's too fussy, the baby can go out, and, you, and you, everything's good except the food, they tell me. But, but besides that, right? This is an amazing experience. Surely the Son of God deserves a birthing suite at St. Clair's. Come on. And yet, look at what we've got. A census that late in her pregnancy required traveling and risked the discomfort of, of, of travel late in the pregnancy, seemingly because she ends up giving birth in the stable. So, wow. I know we think she went on a donkey. We don't know that. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe she walked all the way there. Can you imagine? Okay, guys, you have no clue, right? But the women right now are going, eh. Right? The threat of the Christ child being killed and the need to then flee to Egypt. And then the so understated 30 years of raising this child. Involving human frailty calls for dependence. God wants us to help Him because He wants us to depend upon Him. Not because He needs us, because He wants to grow us. You see, life isn't about figuring out how many things you can do by yourself. No, no, you're big now. You can do that by yourself. I mean, we even you know, kind of nurture ourselves this way. No, 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 I've been helped. Now you can feed yourself now. You're a big boy. You're a big girl. You can do that. Life isn't about figuring out how much we get to do on our own. Life is really about discovering all He can accomplish through you as you depend upon Him. So purpose shows up in the Christmas story. Purpose then shows up also in His earthly ministry. It's just emblematic of how he ended up doing all of his earthly ministry. If you, if you look at Mark chapter 3, we end up uh, seeing what looked like was a, such a great start. Mark chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to a lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. And then it goes on to say the people were showing up from all over the place, places you don't even know how to, uh, where they are and I can't pronounce. You know, Judea, Jerusalem, Ijumia, you know, across the region. Where is that? Of the Jordan, these people are coming. There's so many he has to get on a boat because they're shoving him into the water. People who are, uh, are wanting to be healed are, are coming up just trying to touch him. And then he goes off after he does all this to a mountainside and reduces the number to 12. Wow. It's like, you know... Gideon, you know, on steroids here. From thousands down to a handful to conquer his enemy. 
And then, of course, he loses popularity as his message reveals that he's truly asking for repentance and faith and surrender and following, not just, you know, food and miracles. And then, almost all of them are scattered as the shepherd is struck and he's left alone on a cross. And in the end, the number is about 120 people in Acts chapter 1 and 2. The destiny of the world in the hands of a small group of knuckleheads. And they are. You read the stories of how these disciples acted. And you also know how you act every week. Yet the future and the hope of our world rests in your hands and mine. Wow. God wants you to help Him change this world. And He reduces it to such a small number that only He can receive the glory for all that He will do in drawing sinful man back to Himself. That's amazing. And as a matter of fact, already, 2,000 years later, from a handful, He has permeated nations and tribes and tongues and peoples. And He will not return until this number is complete. God's use of us was not folly. Investing in human beings calls for personal commitment. And God wants us to help Him because He wants to glorify Himself through us. It's also another way that this purpose shows up. How God's sovereign plans show up in our daily lives. This translates in part into the sovereign plans of God in your daily responsibilities. Now, what do I mean by that? You ever notice how life becomes so daily? You know, as significant as we are in God's plans, we're saved by, for His glory, we're redeemed as His instruments to do His will, we're purchased by the blood of Christ to share that love with others. All of those things are just as true as the fact that I have to put my pants on one leg at a time. Isn't that annoying? I get headaches. My nose runs and my feet smell. Isn't that kind of upside down? I get grumpy after 7 o'clock at night. Just ask my daughter. The garbage has to go out on Wednesday mornings. Not Tuesday mornings, not Thursday mornings. Wednesday mornings. How annoying is that? Bills have to be paid. On time. What's their hurry anyway? Assignments have to be turned in. Just ask all the college students that are here. And high school students that are still doing it, right? Are you doing it? You doing it? Oh, just pointing at you, Christine. That's all. Children need naps and snacks and love and discipline. Isn't that right? Adults need naps and snacks and love and discipline. Right? And teenagers. They sleep so late they don't need naps. They eat too many snacks. They're an adventure to love. And they don't like discipline. Just like the children and the adults. Right? Life is so 
daily. It's so mundane. It's so repetitive. It's so filled with details and lists and chores and duties and obligations and responsibilities and thousands of little things that just have to be done. And you know what? God not only knows that, He designed it that way. You ever noticed at the ends of Paul's letters, um, he, you know, it's like he he only has so much paper or something, and he gets to a certain point, and he's got to end the letter because it's got to go or something, and so then he just throws these things at the in at the end. I mean, this has always kind of struck me. You know, he'll he'll take large paragraphs and sentences that ever end and, and, and go deep into certain things that we, you know, study and learn from about our God and ourselves and our world. And and then at the very end he just kinda goes, Oh, by the way, now I want to look at some of the by the ways here. I mean, what he says in a few verses we could spend a lifetime applying, as a matter of fact, we have to. So, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. In case you guys haven't ever learned that, there's a little Sunday school lesson for you. Memorizing the Bible. These four letters. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's the order. General Electric Power Company. So I'm going to start with Galatians. Chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. Just towards the end, you know, let me just kind of mention this. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows deceives please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So, in case you didn't have anything to do this week, just thought I'd throw that in there. Watch what you sow, and then don't miss any opportunity to help somebody out. All people, by the way, not just, you know. Wow. So, and then we go over to Ephesians chapter 6. I always like this one because, first of all, it starts with children. Would you obey your parents, please? So, like, you just do that once and you got it down, right? I mean, you know, that's just like perpetual. I'm still obeying my mother. As I should. And parents, uh, fathers, don't exasperate. We'll skip right over that one. Uh, Right? That's true too. Slaves, obey your... So we don't have slaves you know, so much. What about your employee, employers? Are you doing what you should do towards your uh, uh, earthly masters with respect and fear and sincerity of heart? Obeying them just like you would obey Christ? And then, you know, the masters, you ought to, if, you, if you have people under you and you're in management, are you treating them the way that Christ has treated you with... Love and understanding and care and grace and time and assistance and help and snacks and discipline. You know, there's just so many things that we're just supposed to be doing. By the way, Philippians chapter 4. This one too, kind of uh, towards the end, verses uh, 2 through 8. He pleads with these women, Judea and Syntyche, to agree with each other and, and then... He, to, to work together uh, as fellow workers. He goes on in verse 4. By the way, just rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, let me tell you that again. Rejoice no matter what. Let your gentleness be, gentleness be evident to all. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So anytime you're going to worry, you know, don't worry, just pray. You got that one down, don't you? 
And the peace of God will transcend your, your understanding, guard your hearts and minds. And, and by the way, in case there's anything else, I miss finally, brothers, whatever is true and what is noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So there's just a little short list of things for you to accomplish this week. And then we go to Colossians chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am changed. And, and pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then, oh yeah, by the way, be wise the way you act towards other people. Make the most of every single opportunity. Okay, I added to it, but I think that's what he means. Every opportunity. And let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, all those people that you're supposed to be touching and talking about. It's amazing, isn't it? We have so much that we're supposed to be doing. Including humans in his plan creates a myriad of opportunities. God wants us to help him because he wants to shape us through all of these of life's details. And this is why we give more of ourselves. Our touching people ultimately gives the hope of Christ to those who yet need to be changed by that hope, just like we were. We cannot lose sight of why we touch all people. As the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. They stole from our motto there. Today in the town of Bethlehem is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And in order for that good news to grow up and become an adult and enter into ministry and accomplish His work on the cross and resurrect from the tomb, Mary and Joseph had to live out the very daily adventure of birthing the child, raising Him, and releasing Him to their Heavenly Father's plan. And look at what that meant. That meant... Obedience in the face of criticism. She was an adolescent girl and she was pregnant. We all know what that means, right? You think people really believed her story? And yet she said, I will. And then perseverance in the strain of time, in those 30 years, she says, I still will. She was faithful right up to the cross. She was there. And then they had this departure in spite of the risk. I will trust His will. And then her engagement and face-to-face relationship, knowing that His will is all about people. See, this actually translates into one more way that we can further conspire to take back Christmas and its message. We can do something. We can give more of ourselves. So if you'll uh, grab this uh, insert in your bulletin, looks like this, you open up on the inside, you can see what we are giving you in the last little piece of what this Rwanda thing is all about. Jesus came so we could go. Express for your love, your love for God by becoming a missionary worker in Africa, serving those in need. And then if you go farther down, you'll see Bethlehem Missions Committee is sponsoring a short-term missions trip to help lead the semester break of this program they call games. Between their semesters, they have this thing called games, and it stands for games and art and music and enrichment and sports. 
And we need just six people to go over there and to help lead this program. And you see the dates that are there, and you can see the costs, and you can see where you want it. You can uh, contact us. It's a pretty limited thing, but it might be something that God wants you to do. Or maybe you be a part of helping somebody else do and go by supporting them in that. And that's just one thing that we're participating in. What things are you finding that you can actually do by giving more of yourself for? Um, I'm busy in this time of year. You can imagine that. And yet, I insisted on finding a time and a place to go and do something that was just way outside of my areas of responsibility or even expertise. Just to go and to give more of myself in a little way that I could. We should all be trying to do that. I only say that because I'm trying to never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. Yeah, the missionary thing too did that as well. You know, but, you know, so I want you to go where you're being led, not only by your pastor, but most importantly by what God wants you to do. Do you wonder why you're here on this earth? The distance between that question and a life-changing answer is only as great as your understanding the significance of this phrase. I want you to help me change this world. Let me say that again. The distance between that question, why am I here? And the life-changing answer it offers is only as great as your understanding the significance of that phrase. God saying to you in the first person, I want you to help me change this world. But that will mean depending on Him more. That will mean letting Him use you for His glory. That will mean allowing Him to shape you through those myriad of opportunities that we consider annoying details to make you all that He wants you to be. What would you say if He stood in front of you and said, I want you to help me change the world? Would you look back and say, I'm busy. I got other things to do. I'm sorry, that'll cost too much. Or I haven't got any money. (laughs) He did come in the first person. And he does stand before you and ask that question. The question simply remains, what will you do? May God give us grace to answer according to what he wants each one of us to do. For his honor and his glory. Let's pray. Now I thank you, Lord, that you didn't uh, just kind of scream the message from your incredible throne, but that you made it real and personal and present in your Son, Jesus Christ. And you did it in such an extraordinary way, humbling yourself not only by setting aside all that power 
that your son had. But also by submitting yourself to the fragility of an earthly mother and father and, and running the risk of dangerous circumstances and, and a simple lifestyle to show us how much you love us and how far that step was to make things right and how much you want us to join you in sharing that message that life-changing truth with this entire world. Would you guide each one of us? We as a church want to honor and please you and we invest in what you're doing around the world to try and accomplish that, but ultimately that comes down to each one of us looking at who we are, what we have to offer, and our time and our treasures and our talents and growing in our understanding of making those more and more until they are ultimately all about you. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing one last song.